Pat, that was some good stuff. Oh, I need to turn this on, don't I? Is that better? I think I was getting the signal. You're not on back there. All right. Yesterday, though, special thanks to the Dexters for having us out to their house. Had a great time out there. It's been a long time since I've been able to go fishing. And even better, I actually got to catch a couple of fish, which made it even better. So I wish I'd have stayed a little bit longer to see Dan learn how to fly fish. I'd have liked to have seen that. Uh, but uh, everybody, it's like everybody had a good time. We got several fish caught. So just really thank them. That was a good time. Beautiful place out there. We really enjoyed that. Oversharing. You all know what oversharing is. In the real, real world, it seems to happen all the time. And we call it... TMI. Too much information, right? Sometimes it morphs into way too much information, right? Now, you might be familiar with these terms, but you, know, you might not be familiar with the WTMI and TMI, but you know it when it happens. You know, it's the guy in the next cubicle to you who's showing you his rash. You know, TMI. Hey, it's great at Hilda explaining her issues with indigestion and irregularity. TMI. It's the guy next door who insists on taking his trash to the curb in nothing but his boxer shorts. Way too much information. Okay? There was a time, a long time ago before we even started preaching, that there was a, a lady at church that fell and hurt herself. And Jennifer and my mother went to visit her. And she was telling them about how they had to wrap her ribs in an ace bandage to make them feel better. So she proceeded to show them the ace bandage. And when she opened her robe, that's all she had on was the ace bandage. Way too much information. Okay? Fortunately, fortunately oversharing exists. You know, even though it exists, most humans have learned to hide what's uncomfortable. Okay, uh, we keep that from most people. We want to keep that private. We've learned, learned to avoid TMI for the most part, but that's the real world. We go into the alternative world of social media, and it's a whole different set of rules for social media, right? TMI doesn't exist. Way too much information doesn't exist. You know, what would typically be awkward or inappropriate conversation or notes about personal things is the perfect fodder for Facebook or Twitter or whatever. Kind of like this one. Never eat leftover sushi for breakfast. Feeling so pukey today. Too much information, okay? In fact, most of this would make great video blogs on YouTube or something like that. And they do make great video blogs. You never know. In person, oversharing is a no-no. Online, it's a whole different thing. It's a whole different, it's a non-issue basically. There's a, a Chicago Tribune columnist by the name of Eric Zorn, who some years ago predicted that this sharing of inane issues, the details of one's life, is going to morph into something a little bit different. All these little YouTube clips 
and these Instagram clips and all these different Twitter feeds are going to evolve into something even more transparent, even more narcissistic. He predicted half satirically years ago that it's going to tech, this technology is going to morph into something called life streaming or life casting. And it's somewhat gotten to be that point because you can go on YouTube and some other places where you can sit and watch somebody's life for three or four hours at a time. Okay? They just sit there or they wander around the house and you can watch it. Now, you know, if, if his prediction is correct, at some point, you're going to be able to sit down and watch somebody's life 24 hours a day. 24 hours a day through cell phone cameras, through computer cameras, through laptop, tablet cameras, through GoPro cameras, through everything. You're going to sit, they're going to get to the point where people are going to be casting their entire life 24-7. TMI. Like I said, to some extent, it started to happen a little bit. But whether his prediction actually comes true or not, given the fondness for being online and sharing information, this idea really doesn't seem all that bizarre right now. Because some of the things that people share online is like, wow, I can't believe you're actually sharing at that. But it also suggests kind of an interesting idea. Suppose that such life casting or life streaming is happening right now. It's going on right now. Suppose for a moment that all these Twitter feeds and, and Facebook feeds and YouTube feeds have given way to a constant stream of data capturing that streams every moment of your life. Somebody can log onto the computer and they can see what is going on in your life and what you're doing, what you're saying, what you're reading, everything 24-7. Suppose that's happening right now. Just pretend for a moment that everything that you do, say, or whatever is being shown online. What kind of person would the world see? What would they see? With no distinction between the secret you and the public you, what might the world truly think of you? Is that a pleasant thought? Is that something that you're willing to do? You know, most of us are used to being one kind of person when we're in private, completely alone, with no one, no spouse, no kids, no friends, no anything, and a different person when we're around other people. We're used to being different, two different people. The private us is private for a reason, right? We say things, we look at things, we generally do all sorts of things that we would never do if we knew that somebody was watching us. It's been said that the truest test of our character is not what you do under pressure, it's what you do when no one is watching you. That is the true 
test of character. And most of us would probably agree, right? That is the true test of character. That's why people go get so excited when someone does something virtuous without the pressure of prying eyes, such as somebody finding a wallet full of cash, and by the way, it's not mine, <laughs> and returning it to somebody. When it'd be so easy, I found that wallet, ain't nobody around, it's mine now. What about returning to the mall or to the department store or Home Depot with receipt in hand to correct an error that is in the store's favor and not yours? And by the way, if you doubt that anything like that exists, just do a Google search of Good Samaritan and you'll find that stuff like this still exists. Even in a messed up, broken world that we live in, good things like that still do happen. Unprovoked kindness still exists. But if it's true that the real test of character is, done, is, is by what's done in private, then what type of person would the world see if they saw every moment of your broadcast? What about last week's business trip? What about last night's web browsing? What about today's text messages? What would the world see? Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, Paul presses us to be people of little or no surprises when it comes to our character. Now, I want to be clear about this. Paul is not demanding perfection. Okay, He is not wanting us to be absolutely perfect. We talked a little bit about this on our Wednesday night Bible class. As, as a person, are we ever going to be perfect? It is impossible. Whatever perfection that is seen upon us is given to us by God. We get it through God, through Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit. That's the type of perfection that we get. He doesn't expect followers of Jesus Christ to be flawless. Because we're not going to be flawless. We're going to mess up. We're going to mess up every day. We're going to be far from flawless. Paul is simply urging us to be proactive and expose our struggles to the light of day rather than trying to hide them in the darkness of two-faced living. He says, take no part in, unfruit in the unfruitful works of darkness. Instead, expose them, he writes. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. One could argue that Paul would not be completely opposed to the idea of live streaming. So the world can see. It's not something that he would be completely opposed to. He is essentially urging Christian to live as though the camera was always on. 
live your life as though somebody is always watching you. In the, the little church we preached at part-time before we came here, there was a young, young boy that loved to lead singing. He did such a good job. But there was one song that he always loved to sing. There's an all-seeing eye watching you. Okay? It was almost like every other time he got up there, he'd sing, oh, there's an all-seeing eye watching you. And that's what Paul is urging us to live like, though. That there is always somebody watching. Now, to be sure, he isn't saying that we should live in fear as, though, as if we're being hounded by Big Brother, as if the government is always looking at us, waiting to pounce upon us, to punish us for something. He's telling us to live our lives firmly believing that the more our struggles are exposed to the light of God's Word and the accountability of God's people, the better off we're going to be. Before we came to faith, all we knew was a life of darkness and hiding. Sure, prior to coming to Christ and becoming a Christian, we may not have had this secret life of wild, sin-filled existence. But our whole existence was still hidden in the darkness. We were hidden in the darkness of unbelief. That's where we were. We operated in ignorance of sin and the necessity of salvation. Folks, that's darkness. Not only that, but our entire existence was hidden from the forgiving power of the cross. We were hidden in darkness of unbelief. We were stuck. We were in the dark. But then something happened. The lights came on. The light itself comes from God's Word, and that light entered our lives and began doing some things. Began convicting us of sin. The light began to stir up trust in Jesus. The light began to reveal the truth regarding the depth of our need and the height of the grace of God. And now, as forgiven followers of Christ, we live in the light of God's Word that's shining over us all the time. And folks, that is not TMI. That is not too much information. That's, ex that's precisely what we need. It's like Paul puts it. At one time you were in darkness, but now you are in the light of the Lord. Walk as children of light. You notice Paul ended this verse with an imperative, right? A command. Walk as children of light. He did that on purpose. Because even though the lights are on, so to speak, even though we are supposed to be walking in the light of the Lord, what are we still tempted to do? We're still tempted to dabble in the darkness, aren't we? So he says, you are now the light of the Lord, walk as children of light. We're simultaneously living in the light of forgiveness, but longing to indulge in the darkness of sin. Paul says, walk as children of light. 
He tells us, step out of the shadows, step out of the darkness, stay away from the darkness, and walk in the light. He tells us to cast our lives in terms of what we know God calls us to do. Let the light of God and the Word of God inform all that we do. And when we do that, a few things are going to happen. Truth is going to reign and transformation is going to take place. But you know what? Sin still loves secrecy. Sin loves secrecy. In secrecy, all the lives that we like to believe face absolutely no opposition. This, this, these secret things that we do, there's nobody around to tell us that it's wrong. There's nobody around to tell us to stop. You know, when we're secretly flirting with a co-worker via text messages, there's nobody around to tell us to stop. When we're piling up debt apart from our spouse's knowledge, there's nobody around to tell us to stop. When we're searching for sexual images on our smartphones, there's nobody around to tell you to stop, that it's wrong. It's easy to convince ourselves that what we're up to is harmless, that what we're up to is deserved or otherwise normal behavior, as long as it's done in secret. But take those actions pull them out of the darkness and shine God's word on them and you will see what they really are. Sin. It might be that you need to allow a good Christian friend to hold you accountable. Maybe you need to have an accountability partner. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with letting somebody hold you accountable for what you do. Giving that person license to ask any question. And then you'll see your actions for what they really are. Forgive me, but stupid. In this case, TMI is a good thing. Sharing with a fellow Christian your struggles in detail, in depth, is a good thing. It is not too much information. Allow the light to shine, and it will allow truth to reign. In contrast, what grows in darkness, other than mushrooms? Not much good, does it? Not much good. When nighttime comes around, that's when all the bad guys come out. I remember going out on ride-alongs when I was a chaplain in Pier. Daytime was boring. Nighttime got exciting. Nighttime got interesting. Strange things happen at night. 
Living, healthy things require light to grow and change into something greater. It cannot happen in darkness. When major parts of our lives are shut up in the dark, when they're hidden from the loving eyes of other people, when they're hidden from the truth of God's Word, are we going to see personal growth? No. Are we going to see major change? No. We'll stay stunted and stuck. Text continues in verses 13 and 14. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. In other words, the light of God's Word helps us to see things clearly. And once we see things clearly, we become more godly. And folks, that is transformation. That is transformation. And it all begins by dragging our junk out of the dark and bringing it into the light. Godly TMI. We need to place our lives under the intense light of God's Word. We need to replace every aspect of our lives under the light of God's Word. You know, if the idea of life casting or letting your secrets be seen by other people freaks you out, could it be that that's a sign that confession might be good for your soul? Could it possibly be there might be something that you don't want exposed or seen by other people. You may need to drag them some things out of the dark into God's Word by being honest with God's people. You need to let truth reign and you need to let transformation take place. Now, Think about living a divided, shadowed life is at some point, whether we like it or not, what's done in the dark doesn't stay in the dark. What's hidden does not stay hidden. It makes its way into the light. What's done in the dark is exposed, and Jesus himself offered a warning in Luke chapter 8 and verse 17. He said, nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. Ultimately, everything about a person will be made known. Sometimes in this life, ask the latest cycling dope, dopest that got caught. You know, it all started way back with Lance Armstrong, right? They're catching people all the time. Ask the Olympic gold medalists that years after they've received their gold medal, all of a sudden the International Olympic Committee is showing up at their doorstep and saying, give me that medal back. What's done in the dark doesn't stay in the dark. What about people like Jack Nicholson, George Clooney, Arnold Schwarzenegger? What's done in the dark doesn't stay in the dark. Tiger Woods. Sure, these are all big names, right? These are all big sins. But this stuff happens to little name people too. 
And it happens with what we term as little sins too. The lies that we tell, the little cheats we do, you name it. If not today, perhaps the next day, things will come out. But even if we were able to keep all of this hidden throughout our entire life here on earth, even if, and there are some people that will be able to do that, even if we keep it hidden, someday the truth will come out. Scripture says that there is a day of reckoning approaching. And you know what? Scares me to death sometimes, all the time, is that everything I do is getting written down in a book. It's being life cast to this book of life up in heaven that Jesus is going to have access to when the day that I go and face Him, everything that I have ever said and done and thought is going to be right there in front of my face. Scares me. So what's it going to be? You're going to do the hard work of confession and transformation now? Or are you going to take your chance with Jesus and the book of life that's going to have everything cast right there on its pages? If life casting scares you in the here and now, it's nothing compared to the life cast that you'll face when you meet Jesus. Here is just embarrassment. There, it's your eternal destination that's at stake. You know, YouTube has a simple slogan to broadcast yourself. Since its inception, video, this video and sharing site has got millions upon millions, billions and billions of people following different people. Back in 2010, there were two people that, that surpassed 1 billion views on YouTube for a particular video. Justin Bieber and Lady Gaga both had videos that surpassed 1 billion views. Now, it's Luis Fonsi, is that correct? You have no idea who it is, right? He's got a video that has 6.2 billion views. It's been watched 6.2 billion times. Uh, I think it's called Despacio or something like that. Uh, des what is it? Despacito. Okay, I pronounced that really wrong. Dan's prediction from class is coming true. Despacito. Then there's another guy, a Swedish video maker. I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce him. PewDiePie? PewDiePie, okay. He actually has 97 million followers. When it comes to social media, more and more, there is no such thing as TMI. You will find some absolutely crazy stuff out there, and sometimes stuff that you'll say, you know what, I really didn't need to see that. Didn't need to see that. There's no amount of brain soap that'll get my, that out of my head. Life casting, here we come. But regardless of how social media evolves, remember, we need to remember that what life as a Christ follower demands. It demands that we acknowledge our struggles. It demands that we share our struggles. 
not only with him, but with each other. Let's let our, father, our brothers and sisters hold us accountable for what we do. We need to be eager to acknowledge our struggles. In doing so, truth is going to triumph and transformation will happen. In doing so, grace is going to be our constant comfort. Forgiveness is going to be our closest friend. And the final reckoning, when we do that, we're not going to have to worry about TMI, right? When we stand before Jesus, we're not going to have to worry about what that book holds for Mark. I'm not going to have to worry about it. If I have drug everything in my life out to the light of God's Word, allowed it to shine on it, show it for what it is, sin, and taken care of it before I meet Jesus. I'm not going to have to worry about TMI. My life has been cast, and it's good to go. I'm good with Jesus. So what's your life going to be like if you met Jesus right now? What's that book going to hold for you? Is that going to be kind of a TMI situation for you that you didn't need to hear that again? Or are you good to go? Whatever that is, take care of it today. Don't face Jesus and be scared about what that book's going to hold. If you need to respond to the Lord's invitation to make sure that your life cast is good with Him, we encourage you to stand while we sing.